There have been a number of moves recently, both by the SEG Group, which is owned by Ryan Smith, Utah Jazz owner, and BYU Booster, as well as the Larry H. Miller Group of companies, to bring more pro sports to the Utah market. What does that mean for BYU's place in the sports pantheon in this market? We're talking about that, answering your questions, and also looking ahead to BYU in Texas in basketball. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And by way of introduction, this is still your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. So thank you for checking it out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Truly appreciate all of y'all uh, for checking it out. Now, uh, I mentioned on yesterday's podcast we were supposed to have Connor Payne on today's show, but due to a scheduling uh, a snafu. Uh, we had to move that to tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. It'll be our Friday edition of the podcast. We're just kind of flip-flopping days here. But I want to start off today, and I threw out a, a call on both our subtext community as well as social media for some questions uh, to fill a little bit of the time on today's show. And one of them uh, was something I, I've been kind of kicking around in my mind, something we've had discussions with in my day job with the KSL Sports Zone and just in sports media circles in general. And this one came via our subtext community. That's where I want to start today's show and it comes from Christian and it says this Jake uh, with the announcement that Smith Entertainment Group SEG as most of you might know it which is owned by Utah Jazz uh, governor and team owner Ryan Smith uh, announcing they want to push forward on getting an NHL franchise to Utah immediately or as soon as possible and also the Larry H. Miller group of companies courting the Oakland Athletics as well as pushing for an MLB franchise where does BYU stand if those pro franchises come to this market? It's a great question, Christian. Uh, the thing about this is, is I welcome all this at the uh, just right off the top. I want an MLB franchise in Salt Lake City in Utah. I want an NHL, National Hockey League, uh, franchise in Utah. I, heck, I want an NFL team at some point down the road. That seems more far fetched than all of them, just because it feels like the NFL is printing money and has no real uh, incentive to expand any further. And if they do, it feels like it might be going international over to Europe and the like. But uh, the bigger point is BYU has really enjoyed for decades uh, the fact that they are an outsized um I don't know what I'm outsized, but they are a very, very strong part of the media game here in Utah and even around the country because there are BYU fans quite literally everywhere in the United States of America and even beyond that. I'm giving shout-outs to guys like my guy Glenn Lumen over there in the Philippines, some of you listening over in Europe. Uh, all y'all know who you are and appreciate you guys checking it out. But the, the bigger point is, if Salt Lake City becomes more of a pro sports market, and that means you have the Utah Jazz, you have an NHL franchise, you an MLB franchise here. You already got Real Salt Lake Major League Soccer. If you become more of a pro sports town, how does that affect the college side of things? And it's something, like I said, we've been discussing this in uh, media circles amongst uh, different media folk that I associate with on a regular basis. We've also had discussions uh, about it on the KSL Sports Zone. And I would welcome, like I said, all of those teams to come to Utah. But I'm also not as concerned about BYU losing their uh, place, as it were, when it comes uh, to the media market because 
There's one significant sport, as I already mentioned, that is not currently slated or not rumored to be uh, in talks or negotiations or having discussions, whatever it might be, about coming to Utah, and that's the NFL. And let's be honest, football is king. BYU football runs the entire ship in Provo. I I can appreciate and trust me, I try to do my best to keep it well-rounded on this podcast and keep you guys up to date on all BYU sports. But let's be honest, I spend... 70, 80% 70, 80% of the time on BYU football, and for good reason. It is the driver. It is the conversation maker. It is the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to BYU sports. It's the straw that stirs the drink in uh, the just sports media world. Football is king. So, yes, there might be a concern because I think uh, you can look at other markets that had pro sports come to town. I, I can point to the Arizona schools because uh, Patrick Kinahan, who I work with on a daily basis at the KSL Sports on a DJ and PK, he talks about this. He grew up in Arizona, and Arizona, before the pro sports teams came in, the Cardinals, the um, Coyotes, the Diamondbacks, and the Suns, the Suns were the original one there in pro sports, similar to Salt Lake City where they had basketball first, but he said before that, really ASU and Arizona had a lot more attention in media circles. Well, as those pro sports came in, they really started to dominate the market, but one dominates more than every other one, and that's the Arizona freaking Cardinals. So, yes, I I get Christian, and I'm sure there are others of you who are concerned that if other pro sports teams come to the Salt Lake or Utah area, that they may uh, take away attention media-wise from BYU. Yeah, they may still some, but I'm telling you, the limelight, it is still going to shine very, very bright on BYU football in particular. And I just think with the overall interest of Brigham Young University Athletics, to, I'm talking in Utah, the greater Intermountain West, to the West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, even internationally, there is association with BYU sports that will transcend any changes it feels like in the Salt Lake sports market. Now, that's me speaking personally. I don't have hard and fast data. I don't have a, a I don't know, a, a, a study to quote to you guys on that. But I've been in the media game professionally now for nearly 15 years. I did two internships while I was a student at Brigham Young University. Then I have been doing radio, sports radio and sports media in general for the past 13 years on a full-time basis. And I'm I'm, I'm a relative neophyte still in certain things because there are other guys out there like a Dick Harmon who've been doing this for years. Even DJ and PK who I work with on a daily basis. They've got 30, 40 years on me. But all of them, and I, I, maybe I'm speaking for them, but I think they would agree that BYU kind of stands alone with regards to the interest that it always, always will garner, even if there is an NHL franchise, an MLB franchise, in addition to Real Salt Lake and the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City and Utah. BYU has interest that I think transcends all that. And once again, as long as the market here in Salt Lake City and in Utah does not have an NFL franchise, the National Football League is not in town, I just... You, the Utah Jazz are beloved here. Let me also I'll acknowledge that. But basketball, it's still, even in the pro basketball realm, if you look at the ratings, the interest, the clicks, all that type of stuff, it just pales in comparison to football. So, yes, once again, to Christian's point, I can understand the concern that, yeah, BYU could, in theory, fall by the wayside with regards to media access, coverage, and the like. 
I just don't see it personally. I just do not see BYU falling by the wayside. There are other college programs and other markets, etc., that I very well could see them taking a back seat to pro sports. But because of BYU's affiliation with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the fact that it literally has a worldwide following, I just I, I feel like it will transcend and just endure through any additions to the market here in Utah when it comes to sports. I could be completely wrong about that, but I'd love to hear your feedback. Do you, do you think that BYU can uh, thrive in, I guess, a new era and maybe in the next decade or so that an NHL franchise pops up in Salt Lake City? Major League Baseball has maybe the Oakland Athletics calling Salt Lake City in uh, daybreak in southwestern Salt Lake Valley home for three years, and then maybe an MLB franchise comes shortly thereafter, an expansion franchise for Salt Lake City. I'd, I welcome your feedback. Am I up in the night on that? Because I, I really do feel like BYU would be able to weather all of that and still be a major player when it comes to the sports media conversation when it comes to the state of Utah and just athletics in general. We'll see. I, I'll, the other thing I'll acknowledge, Big 12 affiliation being at the top echelon of sports in college, it's a big help as well to BYU. They're not, they're not, a, they're not an independent. They're not uh, running in a G5 conference. They're in one of the preeminent conferences out there. They're a Power 4 conference, and that also is going to add, I think, some extra spotlight attention on Brigham Young University as well. All right, coming up here in just a minute. I uh, meant to talk about this on tomorrow's show, but we'll push it up a day. Let's talk BYU and Texas in basketball. I think BYU is in a pretty good position after the, the back-to-back losses to Texas Tech and Houston going into this game against Texas, and we'll talk about what it means for BYU, what they need to do to get over the hump, get back into the win column in Big 12 play and kind of stabilize themselves as Big play, Big 12 play rolls on. We're past the one-third mark. We have seen six games for BYU in Big 12 play. Uh, we hit the kind of the middle part of the schedule. We'll get to all that coming up next as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive, my friends. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you are looking for, my friends. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Uh, Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that victory, my friends. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Of course, eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys, if you've not done so already, uh, please join our subtext community. It's been a really, really fun venture we've had uh, to get interaction with you guys. It literally gives you access to me via your phone and a text message. It's as simple as that. You can shoot off a thought, a question, a comment, whatever you got at any time, and I'll see it, and obviously I, I can respond vice versa. And it's really been fun so far. So thank you to all of you quote-unquote early adopters in our subtext community. I know you guys are the real ones because you guys uh, signed up on a whim and really trusted what we're doing with this podcast and I cannot thank you guys enough if you've not done so already get a 14 day free trial to see if it's right for you and then $4.99 just $5 a month after that supports the podcast financially and like I said gives you another uh, direct point of access to myself and the podcast all right BYU basketball uh, two and four in big 12 play now that's not ideal let's be let's be real BYU would like to be three and three and they came 
pretty darn close uh, against uh, Houston. If they had been able to hit, I feel like it's, I talked about it in our postcast edition of the podcast. They had been able to hit one shot, take a lead against Houston. It feels like the completely different feeling for this BYU basketball team, but they are still the number 21 team in the country. And then now we're going to welcome Texas to Provo on Saturday. It's an early uh, tip, 12 o'clock. Yeah, noon, high noon uh, in Provo on ESPN2. This is one that uh, even if you don't have ESPN+, Plus, you're going to be able to watch it. Now, this is a Texas team, very much like BYU is uh, kind of scuffling along here in Big 12 play. They are 3-3 three and three in conference, uh, and they have had their fair share of controversy recently. Uh, their head coach, uh, Rodney Terry or whatever, got mad at UCF and said, we don't jump around and celebrate like we won the national championship and do horns down when we beat a team like Texas. But grow up a little bit. The very next game, they hit that buzzer beater. And what is he doing? He's jumping up and down like they won the national championship on the sideline. I just love the the double standards certain people have uh, in sports. But nonetheless, this is a big opportunity for BYU in this game. Because as I mentioned, BYU 14-5 and on the year, 2-4 and in conference play. I have uh, stated once again, I'll, I'll reiterate it, that now, I think BYU 9 and 9 should be the goal in Big 12 play. And the crazy thing about this is all of these games BYU's playing, I think and some of you pointed this out as well in just comments I've had recently, is that I think we're a little jaded, uh, just uh, speaking as media members and even the lay fan, about the era of the West Coast Conference. Remember, when BYU lost games in the West Coast Conference, they were talking Pepperdine, the Pacific, uh, San Diego. When BYU lost those games, they were like anchors, uh, uh, figurative anchors around BYU's neck when it came to the net ratings and their chances of going to the postseason. In the Big 12, it's completely the opposite. These games with how good these opponents are for BYU, they have relatively little impact and in certain circumstances even could push BYU's net rating higher with a loss. It's insane to consider, but that's the reality of playing in this Big 12 conference. So be thankful for that. It really is. It's, it's actually a very, very good thing that BYU is competitive in this league right at the outset, but also they're not uh, losing games, and it's like I said, it's not dragging them down with their chances to play postseason basketball. And that brings us to this game against Texas. Texas is 3-3. Three and three. If you look at uh, KenPalm.com, he get, he's giving BYU nearly an, uh, I think it's, yeah, 77% chance of winning this game. He's got BYU clearing the Longhorns by 8 points in Provo. Uh, the BPI, the basketball percentages index that ESPN has has BYU's a 79.9% uh, matchup predictor like winning that game almost 8 in 10 times in their predictions so this sets up for BYU here to get that split and let me get back to the original point I was saying I think BYU should get to 9 and 9 and it should be the goal for their Big 12 uh, debut uh, because here's the thing if you get that, you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. And the way to do that is essentially week by week, get a split. Okay, you lost to Houston. And obviously you're going to rue the fact that you had chances. It was two, was it 2-12, whatever, to go in that game. That big three from Noah Waterman, as loud as I've heard the Marriott Center in quite some time. And then uh, you turn around and just can't find a bucket to pull, to get the lead. But now you go up against a Texas team that's not near the same uh, caliber, at least on paper, of the previous three opponents that BYU has faced. So BYU should be going into this game very confident. They can hang with Texas and I think honestly roll past the Longhorns. This would go a long way once again to stabilizing things for BYU. Gets you to three and four, your game under 500, and then you got the trip next week. You have a midweek bye next week, your first bye, I guess, of the conference season before you travel to West Virginia. So if you can pick up these next two games, because Texas and West Virginia in particular are kind of lower tier in the Big 12, and I know that lower tier, it makes some of y'all uh, angry and some of opposing fans. Well, they're, they're top tier. I'm saying in the Big 12, and it's all relative. The Big 12 is the elite, the, the 
far and away the best conference for college basketball. So spare me the, well, you, you're denigrating. I'm, I'm not denigrating. I'm just saying where they stand in the standings in the Big 12. And that's set up for BYU to get back to 500. That's the path to getting to 4-4. Four and four. And that would be a really, really nice spot to be as BYU mid, nears the midway point of the Big 12 race here, the Big 12 schedule. So this is an interesting game against Texas because you can't take them lightly. That's the other thing about this. You can't just roll in thinking you're going to roll them because I think BYU's learned that lesson in football and basketball that the Big 12 is an everyday league. You've got to show up. You can. There's no layups. When it comes to games like this, Max Amos is their leading scorer for Texas. He averages 17.9 uh, points per game. He's a very, very capable scorer. I uh, think of what like Pops Isaac from Texas Tech did to BYU. Think of what LJ Cryer did most recently for Houston. Well, that's Max Amos's uh, type of ability for this Texas team. Uh, Dylan Disu is their second leading scorer, 15.1 points per game. Tyrese Hunter, 12 points a game, and then Dylan Mitchell with 10.8 points per game. So this is a Texas team that is far more offensive minded versus what like Houston was. Houston's very much built on their defense. They want to lock you down and uh, really make life miserable for you. Texas is more like BYU where they kind of want to move up and down the court with you and trade shots for shots. So it should end it... Yend, let, I wanted to put yield and lend together. Yend itself, lend or yield itself to a far more offensive type game on Saturday. This is a big, big opportunity once again for BYU because... The numbers say that BYU should be feeling pretty comfortable in this game. Texas is not the biggest team either. That is similar to Houston because you look at Houston's uh, roster. They had a few guys six foot nine, six foot eleven, that type of stuff on Texas's roster. Uh, Caden Shad uh, Shedrick is six foot eleven, and he is the tallest on the roster. There's no other guy taller listed that taller than six foot nine on Texas's lineup. That should give BYU once again a chance uh, to have an advantage size-wise because BYU's overall lineup is very tall and long. That's one thing Mark Pope has endeavored to do is have a tall, long lineup, and that's a positive for BYU's chances going into this game. I'm very excited to see how BYU matches up against the Longhorns. Now, this is not a not-for-long type deal because the Longhorns are headed to the SEC next year, so you obviously would like to uh, stick one to them and uh, maybe get some horns down that you'll see in the in the crowd. Maybe we can get another post-game chastising uh, from Texas's coaching staff, but uh, you got to win the game before you really uh, worry about that. But I, I, this sets up for BYU feels like to really have a nice bounce back effort out there. Now, like I said, could Max Amos come in and uh, similar to what like Pops Isaac did last Saturday? just in the second half go off and single-handedly seemingly lift Texas to a win. That is very capable, but this BYU team, the, the positive for BYU right now is they've played some of the best in the entire conference. Baylor, most recently, uh, you had Texas Tech on that run. You also, that Houston team, Houston shoots the way that they did Tuesday night. That's a Houston team that can make a run to the Final Four. And BYU is right there with them. That is the positive. That is the thing that BYU needs to keep in their mind when they're thinking about, okay, what are we capable of in this conference? You can hang with the absolute best in this conference. Take confidence in that. I'm speaking to BYU as if I'm their coach and uh, actually have a chance to talk to the players. I'm talking to you as BYU fans. Take comfort in the fact that BYU under Mark Pope has surprised all of us. This was a team that was slated 13th out of 14 teams in the Big 12 and very much right now feels like they can hang with everybody in this conference. Now, 
If you do want to hang, truthfully, you got to start winning basketball games. That's just the simple fact of life is you got to go out and win these games. Hanging with opponents is one thing, but as I mentioned in postcast on Tuesday night, and I'm going to mention it right now, you can hang tough. You can be right there at the doorstep, but at some point you got to kick the door in and you got to break through and get that W. And this Texas game sets up to be that type of a game it feels like for me. Knock down the door, show what you're capable of, take care of this game, and find a way to make sure that you don't make it any type of question down the stretch. BYU, the six games so far, have been uh, games that BYU has uh, struggled in the second half of these games. Once again, I'll say this. BYU's got to understand that every minute, every second you're on the court, you got to be engaged. you got to be running your sets. And I'd like to see BYU buckle down and understand they got to play a full 40 minutes, lock it down, and get this win over Texas. And like I said, stabilize yourselves in this conference and have people saying, okay, BYU can win. They're hanging tough. They hung tough with some of these ranked opponents, but now they can beat uh, teams, I guess most people would consider, either equal or maybe just behind BYU in the Big 12, uh, I don't know, rankings, standings, whatever you want to term it. So I'm looking forward to this. It's a big opportunity. It's a big platform. ESPN2 on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, a number of people out there that will be lay basketball fans will be tuning in. will want to get to uh, have more of a feel for BYU and what the Cougars offer. Well, this is a big, big opportunity to go out there and show what you're capable of if you're Mark Pope's squad. And I, for one, cannot wait to see how it all shakes out. All right, coming up here in a minute, we'll finish out today's show with questions you guys submitted via our subtext community, as well as a few of you from social media. We'll get to all that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. They have a new feature called Learn and Earn. It's the UCCU mobile banking app's way of paying your entire family to learn about money. All of us want to be smarter when it comes to our finances, my friends, and Learn and Earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, you earn points that accrue and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. I've told you guys I've been a UCCU member since I was eight years old. I recently got my first uh, gift card uh, via Learn and Earn. And I'm well on my way getting my second. I had an Amazon one the first time. I'm going for a Nike gift card uh, this next time. But the best part is there's age-appropriate content for every member of the family. Y'all can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards. And more importantly, Learn and Earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app. So you can play it anytime, anywhere. And the more you play, the more you learn. And, of course, the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning B-Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun with becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU, love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you for being a part. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you guys check out Locked On Sports Today. It's your 24-7 streaming uh, channel on YouTube with all of the coverage you need from the Locked On Network. Team-specific stuff, national league-wide, uh, NFL, NBA, MLB, college. They got it all for you guys. Uh, subscribe to it today. It's Locked On Sports Today. Uh, get it on YouTube. and uh, Really a fun feature. It's a, kind of the first ever endeavor in YouTube to have a 24-7 sports stream streaming channel. Uh, yours truly is featured on there from time to time. It's a really, really fun thing. and encourage you guys to subscribe to it if you have not done so already. All right. Uh, question time. Let's start off with a question here uh, coming in from Nick Chadwick. And uh, Nick has been a longtime listener. I appreciate the fact that, Nick, you've uh, made the transition over to our subtext community. He says, uh, West important Aaron Dunn. Don't hear much uh, from B uh, with regards to BYU and them being recruited. Uh, what are the chances to get them at BYU? And that is a great question about that because Weston Port is a four-star prospect from uh, Orange County, a guy who is very, very close to a guy like Reiner Swanson, but he plays 
defense. He's a star linebacker uh, down there. I, I would assume that BYU is still very much engaged with Weston Port. You may not hear as much about him or BYU on him, but uh, from what I understand, BYU is very keenly interested in him, and we'll see how it shakes out. But he's got opportunities everywhere. Same with Aaron Dunn. Maybe you don't know the name Aaron Dunn as a late BYU fan in recruiting circles, but get to know his name. Aaron Dunn is a mammoth offensive tackle prospect at Spanish Fork High School. He has got offers coming in left, right, all over the country are coming to Spanish Fork to check him out. He's got, I think it's six foot eight. He's like 270 some odd pounds. He's just like a prototype offensive tackle. Uh, keep an eye on him, but BYU's been on him as early as anybody, it feels like, and we'll see how they uh, hang in there because he would be a very, very nice pickup. And then Nick also adds this, it might be time to press Connor on his little brother, Austin, who is taking in a ton of offers. Austin Pay, you want to talk about Aaron Dunn blowing up. Austin Pay from Lone Peak High School, who is the younger brother of Connor Pay, he is getting offers. Wow. Alabama type. Just all kinds of big time offers. It wouldn't surprise me if Austin Pay becomes one of the biggest uh, prospects. Just literally, if you look at star rating, offers, however you want to uh, measure it, uh, before all is said and done. I-, I think that BYU's got as good a chance as anybody at Austin because of his dad having played there. His o- older brothers are playing there. Trevor will be coming home from his mission soon, but we'll have to ask Connor about that. Maybe we can ask him a little bit about that. I know he's been kind of, uh, he doesn't want to speak too much for Austin because it's Austin's decision in the end, but we'll have to see if we can get more on that. Um, next one, Jake, by the way, how many BYU players do you think will opt into the new EA Sports college football game? All of them, I sincerely hope, will. And I think that the vast majority of guys who I've, and I'm, I'm not talking, I've talked to like all the players on BYU's roster, but when I have had those conversations with them, these are kids who grew up with the EA Sports game, and they have wanted nothing more than to see themselves in a video game. So, I would imagine that the vast majority, if not all, of BYU's players will opt into it. Now, the the parameters, how much you're being paid, that's all TBD. But I've got my uh, PlayStation 5 all ready to roll, and I cannot wait for that game to come out. And it better be done by July, or else I am going to be irate, because I need that game back in my life. And I'm a mid-30-year-old man who's got three kids now. I'll tell you what, I owned every version of that, of that college football series from EA Sports until it went away in uh, 2013, the 2014 series. I was the last one. I had an Xbox 360 that died just last year that I was still playing NCAA 14 on until it died. I need EA Sports. I need EA Sports college football back in my life, and I hope the BYU's players are all in on it. Uh, Christy Duns says this. I've heard people say a lot that the basketball team needs somebody like Jimmer Fredette to that can step up and make plays for the team to help them stay in the game for the whole two whole halves. But says, yeah, then this. But when the football team was struggling, people were calling out players who were trying to do too much, and it was detrimental to the team. They talked about everybody doing what they're asked. They're 1-11th. They're not trying to be the hero. Why is it different, do you think? That's a great question, Christy, because you have five players in basketball. They all need to work obviously in concert with one another to have success on the basketball court. Uh, The thing about basketball, because there are smaller numbers on the court and the fact that it's more of a I don't want to say it, it, it's a skill thing. The ability to throw a basketball in a hoop is a, 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 a preternatural skill that very few people, like a Jimmer Fredette, have in their back pocket. So it really feels like a closer or a star basketball player is going to stand out more and keep their teams in more games than the maybe the best football player because there are just so many more bodies out there. Maybe there's more variables, as it were, in football. Yes, football at times, yeah, we, we I talked about it on this podcast all the time. Just do your part. Try not to do too much. Try not to step on your other your teammates' toes. Uh, football is more about working in concert with one another. Uh, everybody's got to do their part in a play to have it uh, success. To have it to run the to be able to have it run successfully. 
that I got that out. All right, nonetheless. So yeah, basketball is I think just more because of the numbers are so small and the fact that one player can dominate so much more heavily. That's why you kind of hear the two different uh, storylines when it comes to those sports. Hopefully that makes sense. And if it's not, please uh, feel free to reach out. I'd love to uh, help clarify a little bit more uh, for you guys. Uh, Tyson Clark asked this: What is the first season for BYU baseball in the Big Twelve look like? Tyson, that is a great question. I know that uh, Trent Pratt and obviously the Cougars want nothing more than to go out and surprise people in the Big 12. We saw the preseason All-Big 12 team was announced uh, just yesterday, and no BYU players were on it. I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh, in fact, BYU softball stunned me that Hunter Ava, who, by the way, Hunter Ava is a very, very good softball player, but the fact that she made the preseason All-Big 12 team was uh, just incredible to me because these are two very, very strong softball and baseball conferences. You asked more about baseball. I don't know necessarily what to expect quite yet. I want to see the media poll that's supposed to come out, I believe, today or tomorrow. We'll uh, see if we can update you on that. But it wouldn't surprise me to see BYU near the bottom of the baseball polls because this is a Big 12 uh, conference that's got elite, elite baseball talent. And we'll see how the Cougars uh, fare. But I'm going to try and get uh, Coach Pratt on the podcast. I've, I've enjoyed the limited conversations I've had with him in the past. We had, uh, we've had, we uh, had, it was back when it was uh, Coach um Oh, the previous head coach. My name's escaping me. Um, Mike Littlewood. Uh, when Mike Littlewood was the coach, we had him on the podcast a few times, and he was very, very fun to talk to. And we'll try to do the same thing with Trent Pratt and get a better feel for you, Tyson. It's a great question that, honestly, I just don't have a feel for right now. I'll have to do some more digging on that. Uh, Jimmy White Jr. says this, Jake, do you think that the Big 12 and Big 10 will ever change their names since the number of member universities is uh, different than how many, uh, the, the number obviously uh, uh, constantly changing, and obviously the, there's, 16 teams in the Big 12 next year, 18 teams in the Big 10. Uh, if so, what do you think would be some good replacement names for those conferences? I would hope that BYU, uh, not BYU, the Big 12 considers uh, changing uh, at some point, but it's already kind of just ingrained in people's minds. The Big 12 conference, that that logo and just the, the brand name is there. So I, I can see why the conference would have a hard time uh, switching that up. And that's that's going to be the con, uh, the, the biggest concern, I think, if the Big 10 or the Big 12 were to change their name. I, I'm all for just adjusting the number. Become the Big 16 or the Big 18. Just, just do that. But branding and just ingrained in people's mind because you've kind of pounded those into people's heads for so many years. I get that changing that's tough to do, but hey, the Pac-10 went from uh, the, they went from the Pac-8 to the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. Now they're the Pac-2, uh, and we'll see if they can rebuild from that. I actually appreciate, that's one thing I'll appreciate about the Pac, the Pacific Athletic Conference, is they just change the number along with the number of schools in it. Uh, so I don't know about replacement names. I'll have to uh, ponder on that a little bit, but it's a very interesting question. What would I call it? And Maybe the Greater American Conference? I don't know. Just kind of an interesting idea there. And they also asked this, uh, what do you think will be BYU's greatest advantage over other Big 12 teams going into the 2024 football season? Ooh, that's a great question. I would say continuity, uh, honestly, and maybe having uh, the weapons returning, and in particular in the uh, in the uh, passing game. Uh, what I mean by that is BYU's top five wide receivers are coming back. Now you have to get, obviously get adjusted to whoever the ends up being the starting quarterback and the like. But the fact that you have those guys who are seasoned and have been in the system and know this offense, that's an advantage for BYU. And the other thing, I guess, on the defensive side of the football is Jay Hill. He is as tenacious as anybody, and he will have his guys coached up. And uh, I. I I think that with some of the young, youthful talent, some of the additions BYU's made in the front seven, I think they're going to be much stouter in the run game on defense, at least on paper, in my mind, uh, on defense. Maybe those some of, that's some of my quick thoughts just kind of on the spot, Jimmy, but hopefully that answered some of your questions. All right, uh, a couple more questions before we go here. We're a little bit over time, but hey, why not? Um, Mitch P is uh, on 87 on Twitter. Is Marcus Adams a guy that can get a bucket in crunch time? 
Nobody really knows. We haven't seen him. We have not seen him in crunch time, and who knows if we see him the rest of the season. I do not know uh, what Marcus Adams is capable of in the college game. I can tell you he's a prolific, an absolutely prolific high school basketball player in one of the better hotbeds of high school talent down there in the L.A. area. This kid's got bonafide skills, and if he can uh, figure out uh, his injury uh, concerns and the like and get on the court, maybe we finally will get a, a chance to answer that question, but we'll see. Uh, Garrett asks this, why do you think BYU fans haven't come all that close to selling at the Marriott Center for a conference game thus far. Uh, Texas is currently slated to be sold out on Saturday. Do you think it's mostly due to prices increasing over the last few years, or is the West Coast Conference, has it affected the fan base? Well, I'll tell you this much. I don't know how many of you saw Nate Slack, who is a dear friend of mine, uh, posted on a Twitter Tuesday morning, afternoon, that the top row of the Marriott Center for that Houston game had two seats, and this is not a resale. This is uh, from BYUtickets.com, like the BYU ticketing website. Top row of the Marriott Center, the the very up against the wall of the MC up there, you're in the nosebleeds, $60 a pop? Okay, BYU, no offense, but that is just ridiculous. 60 bucks for those seats? Sorry, I'll go to a Utah Jazz game. I'll go to I'll go to almost any other sporting event and get multiple tickets for that price. That is just ridiculous for a get-in price. The idea of asking the lay BYU fan who maybe gets one chance a year to go to games uh, to pay that type of money to sit at the very top, the very back recesses of the Marriott Center, and I'm not saying the Marriott Center's got a bad seat in the house. It isn't really. It's actually a really well-designed venue in that regard, I think. But that's bench seating, and it's $60 a pop, especially when you can go on secondary markets for that game. And there were $20 and $30 tickets that were closer to the action, maybe not by much, a few rows. But that's the biggest thing for me is they may be pricing BYU fans out. That's that, I got a massive, massive concern on that. Um, all right, a couple other quick quick ones here. Oh, Taylor Jones asked you about BYU baseball. He says, 24 and 28 last year. The program is a non-factor in the college basketball landscape. Uh, he says, Brent Herring is fired as the cause for the 2023 struggle, so they can't claim a rebuild. Is Pratt the answer? Uh, Taylor, that's a great question, similar to the question I already answered on BYU baseball. We'll have to, we'll have to dig into that and see what we can find out. But uh, I think that Trent Pratt may get a little bit of a grace period here with the Big 12 because it's just it's, it's so much better. Uh, I know the West Coast Conference was good. Big 12 is kind of the next level of college baseball, and you're going to have to adapt to that. It's, it's a really interesting part. Uh, Daniel Rigby, how many teams from the Big 12 make the tournament? Oh, geez. Ten? I don't know. It really is that good of a conference right now. It would be incredible to have ten of the 14 teams make it, but that gives hope to BYU. You get to seven and uh, 11, eight and whatever, eight and 10, a nine and nine. You'll be in that group, and you'll have a chance to go dancing. That's the fun part about uh, playing in this conference. Uh, another one, um, good friend Mandy Jones. Uh, what's the cryptic post from A.J. Vong Pachan about? Is he declaring for the NFL? I uh, put out a video, and yes, I, A.J. only had the one year, Mandy, uh, to play at BYU. So he's essentially just uh, posting about his time at BYU. He is headed to the NFL. He was a graduate transfer from Utah State, so he will be moving on, uh, and we'll see what happens there. And then uh, two other questions real quick. I'm going to fit these in real quick. Our good friend, Wild, Fart, uh, Wild uh, Turkey Fart Blunt, or a good friend Ryan, uh, who are some of the guys you're watching that are on the bubble and could potentially move on after spring ball for BYU football? Keep an eye on that quarterback room. There are just way too many bodies in that quarterback room, and it's it's nothing against the likes of a, a Cade Fennigan, um, 
Nick Billups, those type of guys. They've been in the program for quite some time, but the writing very well may be on the wall right now, uh, maybe even more so after spring ball, that if you want to play, if you want to actually get on the field as a college football player, it may be time to move on. They've got to thin that uh, room out a little bit, and whether that's them being asked to move into the transfer portal or or them doing that of their own volition, keep an eye on that. Uh, I would also watch uh, potentially maybe some of the the safety group as well, just with how many bodies there are in that safety group and the fact that they're all healthy and competing for time. Uh, Do guys that saw playing time last year get upset and maybe decide to uh, make a move elsewhere? That's also one I would keep an eye on there. And then Ryan Willing, with Harbaugh leaving Michigan, is there anybody BYU heavily recruited that we should keep an eye on? Uh, There is that offensive lineman. He's currently in a bishopric back there at Michigan. He's a reserve offensive lineman. He served his mission in Orem, Utah, and really never, uh, what was his name? Um... Man, it's escaped me. He's from Colorado, and uh, he's he was a guy that BYU wanted both times. It's high school, and then obviously when he was on his mission, they wanted to bring him to BYU. But he never really showed interest. I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head, and I'm struggling to remember. His brother actually played in the program at BYU for a time, but I think you all know who I'm talking about, and you'll correct me in my in the comments, and I appreciate that. But uh, that's one to keep an eye on, I suppose, if he decides to leave Michigan. Uh, honestly, Michigan's got so much talent. Uh, the biggest question is can if it's Sharon Moore who takes over for Jim Harbaugh as the a guy who was the interim this year and very easily could slide into that head coaching position does he keep the roster intact and the, the, those guys just say we want to run it back we're the defending national champions why in the heck wouldn't we want to run it back that that's the bigger question I feel like Ryan uh, versus maybe trying to pluck a guy here or there but uh, I guess that's the biggest thing for me is we'll keep an eye on what happens uh, and we'll we'll, we'll we'll kind of dig into that a little bit more as things move along here alright so there you go uh, that is all all the time we have on today's show, we are way over time. Wow. Uh, well, extended edition of the podcast. So uh, congratulations to you guys who stuck with us this entire way. Thank you to all of you, honestly, for all of your support of the podcast. And obviously we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, fingers crossed that it works out this time with Connor Pay. I'm assuming it will. He was very uh, apologetic uh, for missing out on recording with me. But uh, we will have that tomorrow for you guys. And obviously coming up Saturday, uh, BYU in Texas. We'll get uh, a postcast out on that front. So uh, it's going to be a, a busy time, obviously, with basketball rolling on. But uh, big thank you, as always for all of your support of the podcast. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are every dares with us right here on the podcast. And until next time, this has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.